It's a Panthers pregame podcast on Panthers Radio in association with Cyanomics. Going to look ahead to the weekend, look back a bit, chat about the league title race and maybe touch on the GB squad as well. As ever, I'm joined by John O'Bullard and former Panthers netminder Dan Green. Good evening, gents. Evening, evening, Chris. Let's start by looking back, guys, briefly to the to the two games. The, the, first of all, Greener, the... The, the Glasgow clan win, you know, Panthers road form has been patchy this season to say the least. It's, it's not been great with not many regulation time wins. Um, it was a, it was a solid performance. Clan are improving despite what their league table says, and they may yet make the playoffs. Um, that, that was a, a good way to start the weekend. Wasn't it Greener? Yeah, I think that's an excellent, excellent two points. I mean, like you said, the road form hasn't been great. They're an improving team. It's a tough place to go with that travel. Um, you know, that they've got a couple more bodies in there. They're kind of back to full strength-ish. Um, just looking tonight, as I speak at the moment, Cardiff are winning there, but only 2-1. Um, so that just proves, you know, how how well they're doing and how tough they are to beat. So, yeah, I think going there and getting, a, getting the two points was a really good start to the weekend. I remember chatting to Corey Nielsen before the game and he was actually analysing Glasgow as we spoke. He actually stopped his analysing to speak with, with me and, and he actually said he, he's quite impressed with the team they are becoming now. And you do wonder, don't you, Jono, could they now make the playoffs and, and Fife and Dundee miss out? We talked a lot about the, the top of the table, but but could that be a possibility? They were in the playoff position after they beat Sheffield on Saturday. Because don't forget, they weren't, they, after being beaten by us at home. They went, then went to Sheffield and won 4-2 on Saturday mm. night. I mean, that's, uh, in the context of how the league is at the minute, that's an incredible result for the clan. But, yeah, they they are right in that in, in that race. I've got the standings up at the minute, and okay, they're playing tonight. The thing I think that goes against Glasgow slightly is, is they played two more games than Fife and Dundee. Um, and they're currently sitting in ninth place on 23 points. Five are on 24, but have played two games less. Uh, Manchester have played two games less than that, as have we. So I think I think it's between five, Glasgow and Dundee for, for that playoff spot, if, if, I, if I was asked to call it now. But they've got every chance. That it, there's only a point in it. But... Mm. Suppose that they they're going to have to watch as their games run out. Mm. Uh, they're going to need a decent run within that, but they've got every chance of doing it. Mm. Mm. Let's go to to Saturday, guys, and and three nil up. Greener, you know, Panthers in complete control. Let's take the first 25, 30 odd minutes with Panthers in control. Let's take this in isolation. I remember you saying on, on the podcast, or should I say on the webcast, Greener, you really weren't that impressed with, with Belfast in the 30 minutes, were you? Panthers were just all over them. Yeah, I, I thought it was a mix of, of of us playing, you know, well, solidly. Um, but yeah, I just thought, it, I mean, I don't think it was, it was that Belfast weren't playing well. That sort of sounds bad, but I think obviously over the last couple of years, we were accustomed to seeing such a good team from then, you know, fast, aggressive scoring, you know, they've obviously got a really good record against us over the last couple of years. And they just seemed very flat. Obviously they played three games in four nights and that was kind of in my mind. I was just thinking, I think they were missing a couple of players. It's their third game in four nights. 
they're down by a couple. They just looked a bit downtrodden, a bit disheartened. I honestly just didn't see where it was coming from. Even though they're they're obviously super talented, mm. I just thought it was one of those nights where they just didn't really have it. And then, yeah, obviously we were playing well, very structured, very solid, taking our chances. And and it, it, I think me and John have said it, it just looked like one of those nights where we would kind of not cruise to victory, but we would just see it out. Belfast would probably have, you know, their chances, but you know, we would probably see it out and have too much, you know, for them. But obviously the uh, the switch went during the second period and obviously things turned out very differently. Yeah, Jono, that one stings a bit, doesn't it, on Saturday? And I mean, I spoke to, with, with Mike Hammond today and he alluded to the fact that, you know, the, the team have just got to be be better and, and cut out those mm. mistakes. I mean, 3-0 up at home, you, you've got to see that game out, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, you, you have, really. And Belfast are a good side, don't, don't get us wrong, but we were well on top of that game and then the momentum changes as soon as Belfast scored and then they were completely on top from that point. You've got to think that if you're 3-0 up at home with a big crowd who were all behind them, you should have that momentum and game management to see it through. Um, and yeah, Belfast, um, and Belfast just did a really, really good job after they scored their first goal and... Uh, we we seem to just sort of fade away, which was a real, real shame because, as Dan said, the first sort of 25 minutes, Panthers were, were well on top. And, and I thought at 3-0, it looked like we was going to go on and get a really good big win. And um, and then Belfast came back into it. And the thing is, with, with a team as good as that, you, you can't give them any chink of light. And we did. Uh, and they took full advantage. And that's yeah. what we've got to stop doing. We've stop, stop, got to stop giving teams this sort of chink of light. And we've got to learn to manage the game out better. Yeah, yeah. It was, it's just a really odd one because often when that building gets bouncing and, and the lead gets, you know, against a team like Belfast or Cardiff, you know, the lead gets there and, and Nottingham normally just, you know, we go on and, and hammer home that advantage mm. but earlier in the season. You know, I mean, OK, Belfast came back and got back to 5-4, but we demolished Cardiff as, as well earlier in the season. We touched on this, Greener, last week, but I know we let three goals in early on. But after going 3-0 down, um, Belfast's netminder, Beskarani, put on a bit of a clinic and we talked about why might you know Adam Keith have made that decision? Were there signs there? Because you guys were going on about save after save after save. There's probably some signs there, isn't there? That, that why Kiefer turned back to him. Yeah, I thought he was excellent, and it was one of those where he made huge saves at huge times. And I mean, I mean, I think I was one that was not critical, but kind of questioned that decision a bit. Where you've got a guy in Peyton Jones who's in good form, he's playing well. The fans obviously seem to love him. And then you bring in a guy who, you know, yes, he's a bit of a a bit of a cult hero there, but you know, you've won twelve out of thirteen games or whatever it is. You know, why would you rock the boat at that point on a bit of a what you might call a bit of a risk? And but I mean, you know, even at three nothing, the goals certainly weren't his fault, and he made some good saves. But I remember that one big save they just scored, so 3-1. Yeah. Matthew passes over to Levin, who has like mm. a half-empty net, and he makes a, a miraculous save. They go down and score and make it 3-2, and for me, that was the big turning point. Yeah. And, you know, he, he, got, he got an assist on that goal as well. Yeah, and, and I think mm. that's the sort of thing with Beskarani, where 
not that it's necessarily him v Peyton Jones, but almost him v anybody. He's very good, and there's lots of very good goalies, but Adam Keefe will know, like, he makes those saves at times. Like, he was the reason they won that game, because he made mm. two or three saves. He let them get back into it, and then they never looked back. And, you know, I'm sure him and Peyton Jones are very similar, but if, if Keefe thinks he can gut out those wins and just make those big saves at key times they can pick up wins like that and it's going to be vital for them so yeah he kind of he kind of proved his decision correct so far and uh, yeah I thought he was excellent uh, and Mark Cooper who I just felt saying that to yeah excellent mm -hmm. yeah the great okay. game Jono uh, you watched the game on Friday talking of netminders I mean we got it wrong didn't we we all kind of thought that maybe Peyton Jones would, would play Saturday perhaps it was the other way round but Peyton Jones made a solid start to life as a Panther on Friday. Had, had a really good game. Um, I, I thought a, a good shout for man of the match for the Panthers, actually. Um, made a couple of saves from breakaways, uh, a couple of saves from unmanned rushers. Looked really solid, very confident behind his defence. And, yeah, he, he had a really, really good game, a really, really good start. I think... I can sort of understand why he didn't play on Saturday, though, because if any team is going to know where his weaknesses may lie, it's going to be the team that he's been training with for the vast majority of the season. So I, I can sort of understand why Alex DeBow started that game. But yeah, uh, Friday night, uh, Peyton Jones just really did have a very, very good start to his Panthers career. Let's move to, to the weekend and, and two interesting matches for the Panthers this weekend. The first of them on the road in, in Manchester. John, you, you touched first of you, you touched on this before. Ma Manchester have been been good at home. That's been one of their strengths in seasons gone by. Not been quite as good this year, has it? What why do you think that is? You've probably seen a lot more than any of us for Manchester at home. Yeah, the the team the team this season is very different to the one that they had last season. They 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 had the, uh, uh, a lot of shall we say, more enforcing type players last season, the likes of Lyndon Springer, for example. They've gone for a more skillful, quick attacking team this season. And uh, the likes of uh, Jesper Orval, uh, Ryan Barrow, Stephen Johnson, who have all come in, have all put points on the board, but are, are, are more of the sort of skillful player, point scoring player than perhaps they've had in the past. And Obviously, the big advantage of their rink is it's quite small, it's tight, the crowd are on top of you. And you know, that sort of enforcing team seems to play advantage in that rink. They've not really got that team this season, but they, they've got some really skillful players. And I think their home form has been picking up of late. They got a win against Dundee last Saturday, for example. And so, and the last time Panthers were there, they gave us a bit of a good hiding, to be fair. And they gave Guildford Flames a really good hiding on Boxing Day 8-1. So they, they can really turn it on. When they play that skillful, quick transition game, they're very, very tough to beat. They're, they're a good, good side, Manchester. Um, but, but very different from previous seasons. Strikes me, I mean, just just some memories. We enjoyed some memories the other week against Belfast, but you know the the rink that the Manchester team plays in now couldn't be at any more odds to the one that the Manchester Storm used to play in in, in the Super League era. Greener, did you ever did you play in that rink? 
I did play it, yeah, for the bees. I played once there, yeah. What 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 was I mean? You know, clearly the biggest ever ice hockey stadium, you know, arena in the UK. Sadly, not anymore. But what what was that? And what was the crowd like that that night? It was amazing. Well, it, funnily enough, the crowd actually wasn't that good because it was sort of towards the end of the, you know. I remember it being amazing, sort of like late nineties, kind of circa Hilton Ruggles and people like that. But I think obviously the reason, one of the reasons they maybe left it was because. I assume it was fairly expensive to run. And they just, I think towards the end of the Super League, they just weren't getting the crowds. Um, and I remember I played there for the Bees and it was midweek. It was a Wednesday night. Obviously, we're probably not a very big draw. And there were literally about 4,000 people there, which sounds a lot, but not in like a 17,000 seat. Yeah. I mean, I it's funny you should say that, but I think in the first year of the Elite League, I remember, and I think there could have been less than that, a couple of thousand in the ring. Panthers won. Uh, Pomeran scored a 2-1, 3-1, something like that. But it, but it clearly, at that stage, when there was 2,000 in an 18, whatever it was, 17,000 ring. Was that when the Phoenix it was quite full? And that was it. Obviously, coming from play, you know, it was sort of, it was it was enormous. I've never seen anything like it. Again, it's sort of like an NHL facility. Um and it was funny thinking back now because we drew 3-3 and it's weird thinking that because how long ago have draws been like, you haven't yeah, been able to draw a game in our league for about 20 years. Um, yeah, so I think we drew like 3-3. So it, it was awesome, but it was the whole experience for me, obviously being so young was was crazy. But yeah, I would, uh, I'd love them to obviously have a team in that kind of rink again. It would be such a big draw for the league. And I think they'd, you know, especially in a big city like Manchester, I think I think they they'd get a good crowd if they had a good team. But anyway, yeah, yeah. I touch on what you said in a minute, Jono. But this sounds really strange. But one thing I remember about the Manchester Arena, I don't know whether you remember it, Greener from playing or Jono observing, but the the team bus always used to drive into the arena. Yeah, and I thought mm. that was so cool. That yeah, that's. Had... I, I was just thinking that when I was telling that little story, it was almost like when you see the footballers at Wembley and the yeah. bus drives in. Yeah, you would drive right in, almost like backstage. Yeah, and then you would just get off and walk around, walk around to the room. But yeah, the the whole thing for me from start to finish was obviously, you know, I'd kind of watched that rink on TV and when they first, you know, started playing there and had guys like Ruggles and. I think maybe Stephen Cooper played there and yeah. people like that, and it was a bit like legendary. So yeah, it was it was awesome. It was a shame it couldn't continue for a bit longer. But, but you're right, John. It was the Phoenix who started that season in that rink, wasn't it? In, in yeah. the in the elite league, yeah, they played one season and then they were mothballed and then came back a couple of seasons later in what what is now the Altrincham Rink where Storm play at. Um, you must have some yeah, good got, memories, though, from the MEN, you know. In the, oh, yeah. I mean, I, I went to, <clears throat> I think I, I went to a game. I remember, remember when Reggie Leach came to play for the Panthers in, in that game against Hull? Uh, it was just a challenge game. And Jamie Leach was playing for the Panthers and, and yeah. Reggie the Rifle came <laughs> and played one game for the Panthers. And anyone who turned up at the whole game, I was entitled to a free ticket to a Manchester away game in at the MEN. And there was about 2,000 Panthers fans went, and there was a crowd of like 11,000 there. And it, it was like, we, we were still used to the old ring. So to like sit there, there's 11,000 people and still a load of empty seats. It was, 
a real eye opener. And then I, I, I went to other games there. Playoffs were there, of course, so they, they were yeah, nearly full. Were. And uh, yeah. I, I, I went back back in the days when I was young, free, and single, and didn't didn't have a child. <laughs> went just went down to see Storm against Cardiff one Sunday night in the Super League, and there was like thirteen and a half thousand there. It was in incredible you know they, they used to certainly in their early days they used to get some ridiculous crowds yeah yeah i remember going in in the mid 90s in, in a massive crowd loads of panthers fans as, as well uh mid to late 90s must have been like five night six something like that um but but yeah great memories and, and now you know a different type of rink but you know obviously we talked about they can use that to their advantage uh, and then the clan again at, at home on uh sunday green and jono what what eighties clothes are you dressing in? I mean, I was born <laughs> in the eighties, so maybe I'll just wear what I wore when I was a kid. <laughs> shell suits, no, and like track Yeah, suits. shell suits, yeah. Something like that. Right. We should actually dress up. That would be quite good fun. I never thought yeah. of that. Go on, there's yeah. the challenge for you both. Uh, well, I, I was at school throughout the eighties, so yeah, and, and there's no way I'll fit into a school uniform anymore. So, <laughs> but but you know that that's great fun. There's already been a lot of interest. I mean, people have been seeing the social media that fantastic social media that Sophie Rouse is putting out. You know, generally, but obviously this week with all the the fun of the uh, 1980s stuff. Um, John, the the crowd since Christmas have have been good. There was two sellouts over Christmas. You know, the the the, the Guildford and the and the uh, Belfast game had five thousand plus. I think there was nearer six thousand on Saturday. Over half full already for 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 Sunday against Clam. Nearly sold out against Sheffield. It, it almost feels to me, and and I look and I know like you do look at social media and the responses from fans. You know, I think I think that the sort of excitement over the festive season seems to have hooked a few more people back. And Mike Hammond mentioned it today in interview, which can only be a good thing. Yeah, <clears throat> I mean, I think that there's there's a bigger package around game night now with 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 these theme nights. That's it, it's an, it won't attract everybody, and not everybody will be enthused about it. But a lot are, and a lot are coming down, and they're enjoying the, the extra things that the Panthers are providing apart from the hockey. There will, of course, always be those who will just want to go and see the hockey and that's absolutely fine. But it's always good to offer something different and offer something for people who might not necessarily come along because it's all about as, as tra attracting as many people as we can to the arena. And these sort of theme nights are, are, are going to help to do that. Mm, mm. John, I mean, um, Greener, how, how much does it help the players, do you think, to to play in front of bigger crowds? Yeah, absolutely. I think, yeah, there's there's nothing they like more. You know, it's like you said, those games, the games at Christmas uh, and then after that, it, it just gives you that extra buzz, you know, coming out and knowing there's that many people. Um, yeah, you know, we've obviously seen a couple of games this year where, you know, maybe they've been midweek and they've, you know, the crowd's been quite low for whatever reason, the weather and and stuff like that. And um, yeah, you know, it's, it's a bit dreary. It's a bit quiet in there. It's But, you know, at any time we've had a, a big team in or, you know, a game over, over Christmas, the, the crowds have been excellent. And I think it gives the players a little, you know, me and Jono can obviously tell up in commentary the difference when there's a goal or a hit and it's you know a really packed crowd so yeah the guys the guys love it so hopefully like you said both the next two home games will be uh, very well attended 
And just finally, just just going back to the oh my word, going back to the title race, Glasgow yeah. this game in overtime. I was I was about to say how much are Cardiff on track. I mean, they've got a point on the road. Jordan County's gone and got the fifty eight thirty nine. Glasgow equalised. You assume that's with the netminder pulled, and they and they win it um, one thirty eight into the extra period. But but Greener again, and, and Jono touched on it earlier. Proof, if ever you want it, that the Clanner are, are, are now and again goes back to what Corey said. He loves what he sees from the clan at the moment. That they are, they're starting to find a groove finally. Yeah, and I, and I think it helps. You know, it's massive confidence boost. You know, you get these wins, and obviously, like you know, they've beaten Sheffield and Cardiff, and um, they've now got pretty much a full roster. And you know, for the first time this year, really, they've had pretty much a full contingent of players and. You know, I, I think it's the guys are kind of probably thinking like, OK, like our season starts now, you know, or, you know, two weeks ago. And it's what can we do now? Let's make the playoffs. Let's finish on a real high, you know, kind of show everybody that, yeah, we had a, a really poor start to the season for whatever reason. But, you know, most guys are probably really pumped to be there now. And it's like, OK, this is why I came to Glasgow and, and this league and you know, after picking up loss after loss for a few months, it, it's now really turning around. So, you know, I think it's a really good story. I hope they, you know, they they do have a good end to the season. And, you know, obviously just for their fans and, and for the guys that have stuck around for the season, I, I think they deserve it. And, um, yeah, you know, not that you want to see Cardiff lose, but again, it's, it's good to see one of those teams win again. Yeah, they could one have made Sorry. No, go yeah, ahead. Just you know? saying they're, what, they're one of the form teams now in the Elite League. They've won four of their last five. Glasgow, the one loss to us last Friday. Yeah, yeah. And let's hope there's another one coming on, on Sunday. I mean, you know, we talk about the title race every every week. That game for Cardiff would have, would have pushed them a bit closer. Not quite certain looking at this table whether it's been updated. Um, but, that you know, um, they're, not... they're third, twen- uh, 51 points now, 51 Cardiff. Points. No, so just, and yeah. Glasgow have now moved into the playoff zone again you're right 25 with uh but they played a, a, a those extra games played 39 so they played three more games than five from dundee so yeah, yeah that's that's probably going to be that might become an issue as, as we go on because they've only got 15 games left now yeah wow yeah so, good point good good point Jono. before we wrap up that the great britain squad was announced on midweek not going to name every single name but obviously Panthers players, Mike Hammond, of, of course, in there, and Matthew Myers, you know, Oli Betteridge, Josh Tetlow, Evan Mosey, former Panthers. I mean, this could go on. Ben Bounds, of course, as well. So plenty of sort of Panthers representation in there. Greeno, I, I think it's good, isn't it, for great... I mean, fair play. I mean, before we go any further, fair play to the Elite League and Ice Hockey UK for, for sorting this international break. I think I feel like the only time we've had it was... About six years ago, when uh, it happened in November, and GB faced Norway off the top of my head. Um, but but you know they've 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 had the international break again, and, and that that's great for GB because there's a massive world championship around the corner. Yeah, it's huge. You know, we, we always talk about you know how over the last few years it's got a lot more professional, a lot more preparation. You know, GB ice hockey do do a great job at all levels, but. Um, yeah, I think to get this tournament, get the guys together, more for Pete than anything to see, you know, because obviously he's not here all the time, you know, so see who's in form, who's playing well, who might be an up-and-coming player, you know, things like that. Um, 
yeah, I think it's great. You know, three good games, and then you know you're really set up. Like you said, they've got such a good chance of promotion. I think with it, with with the group they're in, with it being held in Nottingham, with the squad they've got. Like obviously, you never know who's actually going to play with the likes of Liam Kirk depending on how his season's going. I don't know when it finishes. And, you know, some guys in our league, the Tetlows and Ollies, when their season finishes. But uh, hopefully, you know, really deep squad. I, I was talking to, um, to to a couple of the guys about it, and I was like, I don't know how you cut five or six from that squad. Like, I, I don't even Especially know. Forward, you know, you, you, know yeah. you sort of look at it and you think, you for the tournament, you've probably got to lose a few. 22, it'll be 22. Yeah, it'll be 22 plus one green. There'll be 22 plus a reserve goalie. So there's, there's yeah, and you haven't even, nine, nine to go, eight, eight or nine. Well, and you haven't even got you haven't even got Conway, and that's you know because he's not playing in these. But if he plays in the World Championships, if Connolly starts finding some form for you know, there's two players that would be on your list straight away. So I think I you know I was talking to one of the guys, and he was like, you know, I'm a bit nervous. I might not make it, but he said, in a way, that's really good that. I don't think anybody now can just show up and put their gear on and they're in the squad. You know, you could probably name maybe 10 that you're like, well, yeah, they'll be in it. But I honestly think apart from that, like there's so much competition now that people are going to have to come in fit in form and um, it's going to be a real kind of honor to be selected this year. Yeah. And what, what finally, just, just, just before we finish, John, what, what about your thoughts of, of the squad? Interesting. There's, there's, there's more dual nationals, quite a few more players became eligible uh, this this year, but what's your thoughts on on the squad? Yeah, I was surprised at, at, at who was in there. I didn't didn't realise that Sam Ruot was was eligible. I think that's a, a good addition to the defence because he's a very very good defenceman for the Belfast Giants. Uh, I, I think it looks a good squad, and when you consider who's not there and, and Conway being the big one, but you look at the likes of, of Feds who, who's not in there at the moment. Um, yeah, others who's not in there. It's, it Kieran just goes Long. to show that Kieran Long's not in there. Yeah, and I, I thought I, I think he's been having a really, really good season for Belfast. So, you know, when when you look at look at that, it, there's a lot of depth there, and, and it's absolutely right. You've got to be on the top of your game if you want to try and get into this squad for the World Championships. Yeah, yeah, good point. Good way to end, Jono. Thanks so much, uh, both of you. So we'll have a post-game podcast after Sunday uh, when Jono and uh, Greener will be in their HS clothing. I'll just stand there. <laughs> I'm not getting, you know, maybe I could wear, find out some some flares from the 1980s. You, uh, you, you've been working full-time for 10 years by then, so yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, that's that's probably about right. Oh, that, that, that's when you got your phone, Chris, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, got the old black <laughs> Yeah. Chris's phone, come down for Chris's phone night. Yeah. Blackberry retro, we'll have a Blackberry, that's it, one for next season. We'll have a Blackberry night where everybody in the crowd digs out their old Blackberry and I've just got mine still using it. So where everybody in the crowd, apart from you, goes without mobile connection for an hour. <laughs> I've, I've got somebody who works with us who actually got their first smartphone uh, at the weekend. It's a funny story because when I work for the BBC, we have a WhatsApp group, as you all do, and it's a vital part of communication on a, a match day when Forrest Knotts and Mansfield are playing. It's huge um, in, in keeping in contact, dropping video and photos and, and, and all sorts of that. Um, but yeah, one of our colleagues got his first smartphone for, for the first time a couple of weeks ago. He was able to join that WhatsApp group. Uh, it was a special <laughs> moment. Can you imagine not being part of any WhatsApp groups for all those years? 
It just it just hurts me. That sounds like heaven at the moment. Yeah, each time I get put in a new WhatsApp group, I'm not not another one. Um, but yeah. Anyway, there you go. Good good to chat, boys. And as I say, there'll be a, a post game podcast on Sunday. And then, of course, we'll be back at some point in the next week, looking ahead to the following week's action, which will be Sheffield at home on the Saturday. So I've got that looked forward to. But for now, thanks for joining us.